0: Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.
1: Here's your boy, Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, coming in hot on this Thursday, December 9th, 2021. Rounding out the week as we do, coming off the heels of JT the Brick, who held it down from noon to two, right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Of course, the morning tailgate led us off earlier this morning with Clay Baker, did a fantastic job. He'll actually be in action later on this evening at Chickies and Pete's, uh, Sahara, Las Vegas, for Thursday night football, so if you want to go out there and uh, take in some Thursday night football action, you can definitely do that. Hang out with our guy, Clay Baker, he'll have a bunch of prizes for you, and uh, yeah, just go check him out tonight. It's a fantastic place. I'll tell you, the venue is awesome, hasn't been open that long, but i I've been over there a few times, been able to hang out with them, and uh, just a great place to see a football game. So week 14, and it is officially week 14 this time. I know last week, about this time, I thought it was week 14. I was a week ahead of myself. It is week 14. It gets kicked off tonight and uh, Clay Baker will have all the action and be able to hang out, and uh, you can watch the action with him tonight at Chickies and Pete in Sahara, Las Vegas. Of course, I'll remind you about that throughout the course of the show. We got a lot going on on today's show. Got a lot of good guests to get to. Plus, there's some things that we want to bring to the table that I'm excited about as well. Uh, There was uh, Greg Olson and Gus Bradley. They met with the media earlier. Uh, Also, K.J. Wright met with the media earlier. Uh, Just some really good stuff, and... K.J. Wright, when he met with the media, I was sitting in my office and I was working on some things before the show and DeMond had it rolling and he was monitoring it and just kind of giving me a few updates. But then all of a sudden I heard K.J. Wright and I heard kind of the tone in which he was talking and some of the things that he was saying. And it kind of got me fired up, kind of got me motivated. I had to pop across the hall and I was like, hold up, DeMond. We got to have that for uh, for the show. So coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to play back K.J. Wright, his media session from earlier today. And the reason we're going to do that is because, one, I think that the Raiders needed to hear what K.J. Wright had to say. Also, I think it's going to help Raider Nation to hear what K.J. Wright had to say. He's a veteran. He's been with the winning organization for a very long time. So he's been in the league with the Seattle Seahawks. It was a big deal when the Raiders signed K.J. Wright. I thought that was going to be a huge move. Now, on the field. You haven't seen as much from K.J. Wright as you expected to see. I didn't see as much from K.J. Wright as I expected to see. Denzel Perryman's really been the leader in the clubhouse. But right now, what the Raiders are at right now, in December, sitting there at 6-6, and something I asked, I don't know, maybe a week ago, who needs to be the alpha dogs, who needs to step up and take charge and ownership of that locker room? I don't think anyone, and if they did, I apologize for not remembering, I don't think anyone said K.J. Wright. I really don't. I know I didn't. I said Max Crosby and and Ngakwe. They need to be the leaders in the clubhouse. It sounds like from what I heard from KJ Wright earlier today, he's taking that role. He ain't waiting for nobody to ask him to step up and take that role, but in a true alpha form, He's taking that role. So, in a matter of minutes, you'll hear KJ Wright. It was only about five or six minutes long. So, you'll hear that. Of course, we'll have plenty of, uh, uh, you know, a little uh, time to get your text in. And, of course, your calls on the Raider Nation Listener Line at 702 365 9200. Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword RNR. Also, coming up on the show at 2.30, we had him on a few weeks ago before the Raiders played the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio. He'll join the show to talk about what he saw from the Chiefs then. To where they're at right now, the fact that the Raiders are headed to Arrowhead. Obviously, it's a different ballgame. The Raiders won there in Arrowhead last season with a handful of fans there. What is the reception going to be like? And I'm not expecting Kansas City fans to roll out the red carpet and say, hey, welcome in, Raider Nation. Welcome in, Raiders. I, I, I know that's not going to be the case, but what is he expecting as far as just how the fans and everyone will react to, to the Raiders showing up in town, especially after something I thought was very minor and very trivial but apparently, it's still something that is a big deal in Kansas City, and that's the little victory lap that the Raiders took after they won that game. I thought that was silly when I heard it. I think it's silly right now, but apparently, somewhere, <laughs> apparently somewhere, it's still a big deal.
2: Bulletin board material, I guess. Gotta find, gotta find that anger somewhere. The same way you gotta have something in your neck. You know, I always they, got
1: something in my neck. I but, don't need. I don't. I don't need he, you.
2: You know did. who I feel like it really was? Because I know we always talk. Andy Reid. He's yeah, calm. yeah, yeah. I think it was Andy Reid. I sure. think if you was like. Who in the organization, player, coach, who did it piss off the most? I think it was Andy Reid.
1: Probably. Probably. He probably was like, really? I own you guys. I'm like 14-3 and three against you guys, and... And you're gonna do a victory lap here, like I, I can see that, and I, I can see that. that.
2: I'm that guy. I'm the person, boy. You can score, you can score about a good twenty on me. I get that one point, boy. I can't. You ain't shutting up. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I'm glad you said I could get twenty on you, cause you know I would. Exactly. You know I'd get twenty on boy, you, boy. But I get that one basket. You would think <laughs> I won the championship? You'd be like, what? What? I, I've been killing. Not I, that guy. Scoreboard, Demond, <laughs> and exactly. <laughs> <laughs> ain't still talking. So there you go, Raiders. You still got to talk your stuff.
3: <laughs>
1: I heard that. Two thirty. Joe Valerio, former Chiefs offensive lineman. He'll join us to break down the rivalry, talk about when he played the game, what what it meant to him, what it meant to the coaching staff. Remember, he played under Marty Schottenheimer, who hated the Raiders with a passion. So, of course, uh, we'll get into all that with Joe coming up at 2.30. Then at 3 o'clock, Dustin DeHart from Nova Home Loans. He joins us each and every Thursday. Uh, I'll get a little bit more uh, educated on what's going on in the housing market here in the Las Vegas area, as I'm still on a mission to find that that dream home. And it's so funny, me and Damon were at the Rockstar on Saturday in preparation for the Washington football game. And man, I couldn't tell you how many people came up to me and said, "Cube, man, I heard about that uh, I heard about that house. I heard about that house on Thursday. Did you guys go lock it in? Did you go get it?" And it's so funny because I talk about and this is not your fault. This is my fault. I talk about so many houses. That everyone thinks that I'm like right there at the checkout line, like you know what I mean, like I'm about to buy it, like right now, like it's in the cart, you know what I mean, like you, <laughs> you know, you buy a thing online, all you gotta do is press purchase. Everyone thinks like that's what's about to happen. Like, Q, did you get your house yet? Or you know, Q, did you find a house? And so when they say, "Did I find a house?", I always think that they mean, like, am I living in a house or am I still at my mama's house, like I was when I first got to town? <laughs> and so I say, "Oh yeah, yeah, we got a house a long time ago." And they're like, "Oh congratulations, that's dope, that's dope." I heard about it on Thursday, and I was like, "Oh no, no." Not that house. <laughs> I just have a house. Like, I have a roof over the head, and we're good. But, no, I haven't got that house yet.
2: Not the Scarface house.
1: Exactly. Oh, I'm going to get it. Hey, dog, I'm already designed. Listen us how bad I am. I'm terrible. I am definitely, and I say this all the time, and my mom probably laughs when she hears me say it. I am my mother's child. I am absolutely 100% my mother's child. Love my dad to death. Don't get me wrong. Great man! Shout out to Mister Myers. He was here not too long ago. <laughs> but I am definitely my mother's child. I'm already designing certain rooms in the house. I ain't even got the house yet. I was designing it last night. I was telling the wife, "Oh, I found this. Uh, I found this studio desk that is about this by by this wide, and we'll get the we'll get the, uh, the stuff for the foam for the walls and everything. We'll get the light uh, outside where it says on air. Like I got this whole thing, and she's like, "Where are you going to put that?" And I was like, "Oh, in the extra room." She's like, "What extra room? We ain't got it." I was like, oh, but we will.
2: (laughs) It's in the Scarface house. You probably are. You're going to be buying the stuff and everything. Right. You're the worst. I am. I'm terrible. Terrible. It's just one of those things where I just, it's in my mind.
1: I vision it. So I feel like I already have it, but I don't. So I'm working on it. Don't worry. Stick with me, Damond. I'm working on it. So we'll talk to Dustin DeHart coming up at 3 o'clock. It's always a good conversation with him. And then at 3.30, you'll hear a conversation I had this morning with Nico Ali Walsh. Uh, We've had him on the show before when he got his uh, debut going, his boxing debut. And he is the grandson of Muhammad Ali. And I wanted to have him on the show live. But unfortunately, the only time he could do it was early this morning. So uh, I had that conversation this morning. You'll hear it at 3.30. He's got his third now professional fight on Saturday coming up. And the cool thing about it is it's in Madison Square. Garden. It's in the Mecca. I mean, his first professional fight, Damon, was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Shout out to Josh Jacobs, Mr. Tulsa, Oklahoma himself. But it ain't the Mecca. It ain't Madison Square Garden. If you can do anything in Madison Square Garden, go do it. If you're a hooper and you can go play ball in, in, in Madison Square Garden, do it. If you're a boxer and you can go do it in Madison Square Garden, do it. And of course, his grandfather, Muhammad Ali, had many epic fights there. At Madison Square Garden. So you'll hear that conversation that I had this morning with Nico Ali Walsh. Uh, I have that at 3 30. And it's funny because I actually, the information that was sent over to me, I don't mind throwing it out there. The information that was sent over to me told me that he was fighting a certain, a certain fighter. Um, matter of fact, it was uh, Xander Reyes. Xander Reyes is who what they said he was fighting. So, of course. Cards of to change. Yeah, of course. Exactly. <laughs> But I can show you, I just went and double-checked a little while ago just to make sure I wasn't insane, right? And it definitely said that that's who he was fighting. So when I presented that question to him, he said, oh, no, I'm not fighting him. I'd like to fight him, but he's fighting Reyes Sanchez. So that's cool. No problem. Got the Reyes uh, apparently uh, mixed up or whatever. You know, it is what it is. But either way you look at it, You'll hear that conversation. It's fun. It was a fun conversation we had. And, uh, I, I, hey, I don't mind having one of those kind of moments. So uh, those are the guests we had. Joe Valerio, former Chiefs offensive lineman, Dustin DeHart, Nova Home Loans, and Nico Ali-Walsh. You'll hear that conversation coming up at 3.30. A question that I want to throw out there to you for today's show, you can hit up the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword RNR. And, of course, you can always hit up the Radio Nation listener line at seven zero two There's been some contract extensions that went down Thursday night. Kicker Daniel Carlson, who's having a hell of a year. Four years. $18.4 million extension, including $4 million signing bonus. $10.2 million guaranteed. NFL's third highest paid kicker. True story. He's, kicked, he's attempted 30 field goals and has only had 25 extra points. That's part of the problem. No, no, dis- <laughs> no disrespect to Daniel Carlson, but he's attempted 30 field goals and has only kicked 25 extra points. That's part of the problem. This Sunday... He can't be the leading scorer for the team. You know what I mean? He can't be the guy. He can't, if he goes five for five, great. Congratulations. I like that you're accurate, but you're going to lose that game. If he goes five for five, the Raiders might as well just call it a wrap. It's a done deal. Just can't do it. You've gotta, you, gotta, you want him to kick five extra points, not five field goals. But Daniel Carlson gets extended, uh, well-deserved contract extension, so congratulations to Daniel Carlson. And then on top of that, A.J. Cole. It double down they got his uh, his running buddy AJ Cole who's having an outstanding season punting he gets a four-year contract extension, uh, twelve point four million dollars that includes five point nine million dollars guaranteed. So, a couple homegrown guys. I know Daniel Carlson was originally a member of the Minnesota Vikings, but basically, a couple homegrown guys. And Trent Sieg's back. Hey, and Trent Sieg's come. That's right. Bad. Good, good. Hey, way to tie it all together. There, the whole the whole battery is back together. You know, the punter, the kicker, the long snapper. They're all together. They're all good to go. And uh, a couple of the guys got paid. So, congratulations to those guys. Uh, Carlson is a guy, again, as I mentioned, got drafted by the Minnesota Vikings and just didn't start off his career very well. And then boom, the Raiders picked him up and he's been money ever since he's done really well since then. So you got to give him a lot of credit for that. But honestly, I don't want to see five field goals attempted on, on, on Sunday. Just don't again, that's a recipe for a a big L. If, uh, if, if Carlson is rolled out there five times to attempt field goals. So with that in mind, I know I talked about yesterday on the show, that everybody is auditioning for next year. Well, I'll tell you two guys who are going to be locked in for next year, AJ Cole and Daniel Carlson. There's some guys. There's a bunch of guys that got one-year deals. There's guys at the end of the contract, even a guy like and Ngakwe, who's only got a two-year deal. Who are you looking for that you feel like the Raiders need to make sure that they bring back? You got a guy like Quentin Jefferson. You got a guy like Solomon Thomas. I mean, there's a bunch of dudes on one-year deals. Marcus Mariota's contract's expiring. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of expiring contracts, one year deal guys. And there's a lot of guys that, in my opinion, have contributed in a major way, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm looking I'm wanting to hear from you again. 702-365-9200 in the Ash text line 69187 keyword R N R. Who do you think it's very important for the Raiders to bring back in 2022? Everybody's auditioning. But who do you want to make sure? that they bring back, no doubt about it, that this team has to have in 2022. I'll get to those calls. I'll get to those texts in a few minutes. What I want to do right now is go ahead and go to Raiders linebacker K.J. Wright. He met with the media earlier today, thought it was a lot of good stuff that he had. Here he is from earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This team's lost you know, four of their last five games, and you're going into a part of the season where you know, winning is what it's all yeah. about this time of year. You're a leader on this team and a veteran. You've kind of seen it all. Um, What's the message uh, in that that locker room as you guys try to navigate your way through
3: this? Yeah, the message is all about our mindset. We know that this last stretch, we we can make it happen, this last stretch. But it's all about our mindset. It's all about our energy as we go into the day focus on the details, focus on our execution, and um, just not letting our record define how we go and prepare. You know what I'm saying? And so um, we can go any way we want to. That's the beauty of this. And we can go any way we want to. And I believe that the message that was spread amongst the guys is that we can do this. And I believe, you know, we got a chance to get it done.
2: It's a young
1: team uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, is that what you're talking about? Is that um, something that's innate, something that can be learned, um, or a little bit of both? Um,
3: yeah, you got to – to have, you know, we got guys in this building. That's one, and so you it gotta be taught like guys. Like, don't let this record define how we how we move forward. And so it, we're not where we want to be. I believe everybody knows that, but we can't get to where we want to go. And so it's all about your mindset. It's all about how you go into your day, how you how you practice, and then you go magically see how that transfers onto Sunday, and we you know just 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 take it from there every week.
2: Hey, James, since you signed, how did you see uh, Devon Diablo as somebody, or a rookie coming in, mm-hmm. uh, not just making that adjustment, but also switching positions as a guy who played? Yeah. College. How have you seen him grow and develop
1: but
3: up to that point last week? It yeah, it's funny. I didn't even know Devine played safety. I just found out like a few weeks ago. But to see him come in and play linebacker, and so, I mean, it's pretty cool. He uh, understands all these run fits. He's somebody that tackles well, obviously can cover. And so it, it's pretty cool to see how he stepped in. Um, Sunday and just handle business. We was out there together. He was handling business, making his plays, making his tackles. And you go see him. You know, this is he getting his career started on defense. And it's pretty cool to see him um, has that success in that first that first game.
1: You have, he's been a big fan of yours his whole life, growing up, watching you play, watching your career. Who? Divine.
3: He said that. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> okay. And you have really taught him a lot. And will you talk about his the fact that he listens? A lot of young
3: guys don't. Yeah. Could you talk about that please? Yeah, me and Diablo, we uh should we watch film every Tuesday on our on our days off and he comes in, he's always asking questions. And um, you know, I played the linebacker position all my life and for him to to buy in to listen to me, it's only gonna benefit him. And so um, you know, we talked about tackling and how linebackers tackle. And um, it's it's cool to see him, you know, have that success. And he's just getting started. He still has a lot to learn, but just take it one game at a time, one play at a time. Told him just stay calm when you're out there and just trust yourself.
1: It seemed like yesterday you had a really passionate message to the team right before the media viewing, the practice Mm -hmm. and huddle. How do you feel the words that you said really translated to the rest
3: of the team? You know, it's funny if you guys came up to me and said, "KJ, thank you for that." <laughs> it was like we needed that. Thank you. And um, yeah, it was on my heart. You know, sometimes God just puts stuff on my heart, and like I gotta, I gotta say something. Cause first Derek was gonna say something said, Derek. No, no, no. And then let me, let me talk to these guys, and just, to, um, just to share what I felt, just share what I felt, and. And the message that the team needed to hear. And um, it resonated with me. I just told guys, guys, the energy needs to increase when it's home stretch. The details got to increase because we can do that. We just got to believe we can. And um, the practice was beautiful yesterday. I don't know if y'all watched it, but it was awesome practice. And today was also good. So just keep building, just keep building that mindset as we're going to this last stretch of the season. When you talk
2: about a team needing to hear a message, I mean, is, is there. Is there a level of exhaustion? I know from the outside you look at this year, it's been it's been a long year, obviously through a lot of different things yeah. you guys have gone through. Is is there a level of that kind of going on?
3: If you're tired, go home. That, that's that's my mentality. Like this this is no game, this is no there's no room to get tired. You know what I'm saying? I'm not this team is we're not gonna be the team that that's home the first week in January. You know, those days need to be over with. And um I I went around, I told every all the guys that we not, we're not going home the first week in January, let's get our minds right. You know, let's get ready for this playoff run. And so there there's no room in this game to be tired. If you want to be tired, then just go home.
2: Gus was just in here and said that he felt the first time against the Chiefs, you guys d- didn't play fast enough. You didn't really match their speed. Uh, what, what do you remember about that? Do you remember that? And how do you fix that going into the second?
3: Yeah, uh, watching the film, yeah, you see, they, they was, you know, it wasn't, up to our standard to put them to put up I believe forty points on us is really bad, obviously. And so we know what we're capable of and um that definitely shouldn't happen again. They they were step faster. So we all watched the film, we saw how they attacked us and uh we know that we gotta play way better, way better this go round if we wanna have a chance to win this game. Hey KJ. The,
1: you know, you, all those years in Seattle, pretty consistent through there. Then you come here and, and, and like Adam mentioned earlier, lots of ups and downs. I mean Mentally, I know you say if you're tired, go home, but how strange has this been just for you when you're used to the consistency and then all the ups and downs and things that have changed here since you, go, since you arrived?
3: You know, I believe that I believe I'm here for a reason. I'm, I'm definitely here for a reason. Everybody kept telling me that, you know, like you, you're in the Raiders for a reason. And um, I'm, I'm starting to see why. I'm starting to see why. And this I have a lot of, you know, wisdom and expertise that I could just share with my guys. And uh, I'm thankful that I'm here to to be in this position because it's time for me to show how well I am as a leader. How, how you know my Michigan go across, and then when I step on the field, just playing, but playing really good football. And so I'm thankful we're in this position, and we go we go just show ourselves, you know, how well we can finish this season.
2: Uh, towards the beginning of the season, the run defense was kind of one of the Achilles' heels of the team. But kind of over the past couple of weeks, the run defense has increasingly gotten a little better. You as don't stop the linebackers or what is the things that you really preached to your guys to really step up in
3: that regard? And even with that, I think we can be even better. You know what I mean? I believe we can be better against the run defense, but that's where it all starts. It starts up front. It starts up front with, with shutting down those running backs and when you tackle these guys like they stop and they go the opposite direction and so um Just keep preaching that. We know the Chiefs, you know, they'll run it too. They'll run it too. So just knock that out early, you know, try to make these guys one-dimensional, but, um, you know, really good defenses are really good um, against the run.
2: You guys are going to Arrowhead, obviously known as, as a loud place, a tough place to play. You were in Seattle for a long time, kind of the same reputation. Yeah. I guess what makes uh, a road venue tough to go into? What, you know, what are kind of the trademarks of that? And, mm-hmm. Also, how do you prepare for it?
3: What, what does it do to you? Yeah, the, the, the road games, those are always the most fun. Just going to somebody else's house, just getting booed and getting the middle finger stuck up at you when you're riding on the bus. That's, that's what you remember going on the road. And so um, just just the mindset is just it's all us. It's all about us. We all we got. It's going be a few, you know, black jerseys in the stands, but for the most part, we all we got. And for us to go in there on the road, tough environment, divisional opponent, that's what you play the game for. And then in December, that's what you play the game for. And so it's always fun and uh, can't wait to get out there. All
2: right. Thanks, KJ. All right. Thank
1: you, guys. I like it right there. I really did. And I, there's not a lot of times that I'll have a, have a position player and just play the whole media session. But I thought KJ Wright was fantastic. And I thought that that was something that, one, the Raiders, the, the players in those locker rooms needed to hear from. And you heard him say that when he had that talk with them the other day that, that uh, some of the players came up to him and said, hey, man, we needed to hear that. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. He's a leader. He's been brought in for a reason. Again, uh, we all expected him to be a big-time player on the field, but also provide that leadership off the field. I think you heard that. You heard a lot of that. I love when he said, you ain't got no time to be tired. You tired, go home. I love that. I, that's my mentality. That's how I live. You tired, go home then. <laughs> we'll find someone
2: else. You know what I mean? Like I, I love it. You've never said that to me, but I could, I could, I could definitely picture you saying that. All the time. All the time, because how often do I email you some random time or
1: text you at some random time? And be like, hey, we got this coming up, or hey, this is what's going on tomorrow. All the
2: time, all the time. all the time. And it's, I think it should seep into this team because just in our relationship, it's it's seeping into me a little bit where it's just like, oh, I'm like that. Something happens, like, oh man, I know it's eight o'clock at night, but I know he' ready. I know like the show, the show goes on. It's always on, and I feel like the players should be like that as well.
1: That's right. The show always has to go on. I had a boss tell me one time. He said, Cue for. If you go to a movie theater and ain't nobody in that theater, are they going to show the movie? And I said, well, yeah. He said, all right, exactly. Show's always going to go on with or without you. (laughs) I thought, oh, that's cute. (laughs) (laughs) I don't go to theaters very often, so it don't really resonate well with me, but I got it. I was like, I get it. That was cute. Show's always got to go on. You're right. Absolutely right about that. Before I I pitched it to KJ right there. I did ask the question, threw it out there after uh, the announcement of Daniel Carlson and A.J. Cole contract extensions came through. And matter of fact, the Raiders just sent the email over making it official like a referee's whistle that they got their contract extension. Who are some guys that need to come back? Who are some guys that you know are on the, the end of their, their, their deal? Who do the Raiders need to make sure are still rocking that silver and black in 2022? Again, everyone is auditioning. Right now, that final month of the season, I love how K.J. Wright said, hey, we ain't going home the first week of January. We ain't. That's the kind of mentality that they need to have in that locker room, but they need to have everybody saying that. Not just one guy. Everyone has to believe that. Josh Jacobs has to go in there and say, hey, we ain't done. What did Marcus Peters say a couple years ago? We ain't done yet. And everyone (laughs) laughed at it. But it 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 was spot on. Spot on. And I don't care how goofy Marcus Peters has is at times. When he said, we ain't done
2: yet. He meant it. And the Rams went on a run. Another thing that he said there where he's like, guys came up and he's like, yeah, we needed to hear that. We needed to hear that. And obviously, he's not going to put out who came up to him and said that right. we need to hear that. And it's good that he did say it, but why do y'all need to hear that? Right. Why isn't that fire already lit under you? Of course, you need the veterans. Sometimes you like Josh Jacobs, like he's like trying to motivate people and talk to people during mm-hmm. the games. But sometimes, shouldn't you just already want to be like the guys? that's like, yo, we we finishing out this season 11 and six. Right. That's our mindset. We finishing right. 11 and six. Well, that's what you would think. That's what you would think. That's like KJ, hey, thank you for saying what needed to be said. But I was already feeling that already. I, I
1: was already there. I was like, yeah, no, that's what you would think, and that's what you would want. But then if you go back to what Josh Jacobs said following the game on Sunday, you know it's not like that. And that's, that's the disconnect. And that's why I was talking on Monday when I was at the OYO about who's the tone setter, who's the leadoff hitter, who's the guy that can get them amped up, ready to go. Because clearly they need somebody. K.J. Wright, self-starter. What Remember what Jim Plunkett said? In our locker room, we had a bunch of self-starters. That's what you got to have. Self-starters, guys that can get themselves fired. Guys that wake up and get out of bed fired up. I get up out of bed fired up. Sometimes the wife's like, hey, man, calm it on down. You ain't on air. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't always got to be showtime. I just thought about
2: you just waking up. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> Scaring the hell out of everybody. That's how you get out of bed. <laughs>
1: Good stuff right there. Uh, Sir Whiskey Ray hit us with a good text, and then we'll take a break. Q, I love this interview. You can hear the passion, confidence, and energy in his voice. I really hope that translates to wins in the win column starting this week versus KC. I can't emphasize how important this game is coming up on Sunday. Let's go. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray, and that wasn't even a funny. Normally when Sir Whiskey Ray hits us, it's a funny. Even he's locking in. He's serious. He's ready to go. He's self-started. He woke up this morning. I challenge everyone. When you wake up tomorrow morning, I don't care where you're at. I challenge you. Just wake up and get out of bed and be like, boom, that's how you get out of bed. Because that's how I do every time start the show after the first segment. 2.25 is the time when we come back. Speaking of segments, we'll be talking to Joe Valerio, former Chiefs offensive lineman here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920.
0: It's Unnecessary Roughness.
1: The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's why Q, of course,
0: our team kept winning kept winning Q, because of our training you got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain Welcome back. Welcome back. to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q.
1: The Raiders have released their injury reports for Thursday as they prepare for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get another injury report tomorrow, and then about 90 minutes before kickoff, we'll find out who's in, who's out. I'll go over the injury report in just a little bit after we talk to our guest, Joe Valerio, former Chiefs offensive lineman. Welcome him back to the show. We had him on a few weeks ago before the Raiders and Chiefs squared off in, uh, in Las Vegas. And Joe, thank you so much for your time we do appreciate you and as i mentioned you were on the show before talked about the rivalry talked about the raiders and chiefs and the chiefs went out and 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 whooped the raiders pretty bad man put up 41 points on them but they look like they're getting better they don't look like they're the chiefs that we're always used to seeing each and every year looks like they're getting better though and especially that defensive side of things how have you seen this team kind of change from that last time they played the raiders to where they are right now
0: Hey, Q. Well, thanks for having me back on. Great great to be back. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you stole the words right out of my mouth. I think this team has improved, and surprisingly, they've improved on the defensive side. I mean, six, five, six, even seven weeks ago, I don't think anybody was thinking the defense was going to turn it around the way they did. Now, is it the fact that Steve Spagnola was putting together a group that hadn't played a whole lot together, you know, you got chris Jones out of position. you got Jaron Reed coming in new uh you know Traverius Ward boy, he's having a, a an upcoming free agent season, you know uh to end all seasons. I mean, he is playing fantastic and setting himself up for some big bucks uh, at the end of the season if he continues to play the way he's playing i I think they've made some tweaks on defense that have really um really solidified what they're what they're trying to do and and kind of executing on. Bagnola's game plan i think unfortunately since the last time you know you've seen the chiefs and it hasn't it's not like it's been that long right right? it was you know november 14th but you know look they scored 19 22 against the broncos uh, you know 19 against the cowboys i i just haven't been 100 percent impressed with the offense like i have in the past um you know patrick's still pressing a little bit they haven't gotten their sea legs under them in this running game. And, you know, if teams aren't turning the ball over and giving them opportunities, I mean, a Broncos game could have gone either way. I mean, the Broncos had four turnovers in that game. Right. And the Broncos beat them, beat them in every category. Like when you go up and down the stat line, I mean, they beat them time of possession, total yards, passing yards, rushing yards, yards per play, first downs. I mean, the list goes on and on. But where they, you know, where they where they fell short was you know, the three turnovers that they had, uh, and the Broncos just gave the ball up. Um, they even didn't have as many penalties as the Chiefs did. So I think I, I think the offense still has some work to do, um, but the defense is playing really well.
1: Yeah, no, it is. And, and, again, it's something that none of us expected to be talking about, that the defense was going to be leading the way right now for the Kansas City Chiefs as they're on a five-game winning streak. You mentioned the run game, and that's something that, It's always blown my mind about Andy Reid and what he's doing with the Chiefs. Just seems like they got running backs. They got guys in the stable there. They just aren't using them. Why is it so much almost a pushback to to use the running game?
0: You know, I don't know. I don't know if it's it's just the playbook and they don't have the plays in. I mean, they they do a decent job of what I would call extending the running game. I mean, I think – you know, between what Patrick can, can do with his legs. It's not like he's, you know, he's a scrambler and he's going to, you know, gain a ton of yards. And then what they do with the screen game, you know, even getting the tight ends involved in the screen game, right? I mean, they, they do a decent job of hitting Clyde out of the backfield, Darrell Williams out of the backfield. It's just, I, 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 they've got a good offensive line, too. I, it, it is a little bit of a mystery wrapped in an enigma surrounded by a riddle and why they just don't <laughs> pound the ball until somebody stops it and then all of a sudden teams have to start putting seven eight up in the box and then then you let Patrick loose like I, I don't listen I, I don't get paid to be a head coach or an <laughs> coordinator, so you know I, I can't I can't sit here and say it but as a, as a as a fan and as somebody who played and as a lineman of course right. I want to run the ball until somebody makes a stop right you know what I mean that, that to me that's what every lineman dreams about
1: right and you know that's the problem that the raiders have been having as well throughout the course of the season you know Derek Carr could throw the ball wherever he can make any throw he wants to but the run mm-hmm. game hasn't been there to support him so it's, it kind of makes that one the offense so one-sided that teams don't have to respect it anymore so how much does that hurt you when you can't run the ball consistently especially when you're a team like the raiders who want to run the ball
0: well it, it kills you and i'm you know just like you know i, I live in philadelphia i'm watching my hometown eagles and and, and uh to pull them into the conversation a little bit, that that's exactly what they did last week with Gardner Minshew. And, you know, their running backs are out. They're out of their mind right now. Gainwell. And, and, you know, they're he's, you know, as the backup and they're just, they're running the ball really well. So when you've got a quarterback who can manage the game and throw, and you've got a running game that you need to stop and start to pull guys up into the box, it, it just opens your playbook up. You know, it just gives you everything you need. I was, Really worried about you know Josh Jacobs this year. I thought he was going to mm-hmm. do some major damage uh, in the AFC West and, and really put the, the Chiefs on their heels. And you're absolutely right. Just as a casual observer, you know of the AFC West, I, I just haven't seen it out of him. Now look, the Raiders have been a little bit banged up on the line, right? And and that that's not helping. Um, you know that that doesn't help when you can't you know when you can't establish the line of scrimmage and you can't just mash people and you know, offensive line play is all chemistry. It's all mm-hmm. two guys getting their hips together. And I, I used to, when I used to coach offensive line, I used to tell, you know, the lineman that I coached uh, when I was coaching high school football, I'd say, listen, the best thing you can do is block a linebacker with the defensive lineman's butt. So, you know, you've got to be able to get double teams on these big guys in the middle because nobody's blocking these defensive tackles and even the defensive ends one-on-one anymore. They're right. too hard. To, they're too hard to block. Mm-hmm. They're too hard to move. So you need two guys to move one. And if you can get those combo blocks working, get your hips together and push that defensive lineman back into the linebacker, because, you know, with bad chemistry, what happens is, you know, the guard or the center will come off too soon to block a linebacker to get to the next level. And that allows the defensive tackle to split the gap. If you stay on the double team too long, then the linebacker sneaks around the double team and makes the play. So it's a fine it's a fine chemistry moment that right. two, the two linemen need to have. And that's what I don't think the Raiders have right now in sort of their zone blocking scheme because they're not, you know, they're just not gelling. They're not, it's not a cohesive unit, you know, when you're dealing with the injuries. Um, and that's, that's what surprises me about the Chiefs. This is a group that's played together now for, you know, 12 games. So, you know, if I'm Eric Enemy, I'm like, let, let those guys lose. They're playing well together, they're, they're double teaming well. You know, let's 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 run the ball till somebody stops it and then and then that just opens the playbook up, you know, tenfold. Right. When when you when you can establish that.
1: Talking right now with former Chiefs, offensive lineman Joe Valerio here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio nine twenty, and sticking with the offensive line. Of course, Orlando Brown was brought in from the Baltimore Ravens and he's used to run blocking, run blocking, run blocking. And of course in Kansas City, he's not doing that as much. He's doing a lot of pass blocking, pass blocking, pass blocking. And I know he's Slow, he's developing a little slower than probably expected, but how much have you seen him grow and, and how, how close of a cohesive unit do you think that the Chiefs offensive line is right now?
0: Right now, I think they're as close as they could get. And and what Brett Veach did in the offseason with with the free agent moves that he made, he created, you know, two teams of starters. He really does. When you look up and down the Chiefs depth chart, you know, they basically have they have two starting lines. Um and you know, Maybe they're minus one now with, you know, Lawrence DuVernay Tardif being traded to the Jets because he was a starter on that Super Bowl winning team uh, for the Chiefs. And, you know, that tells you something about the depth of, of, of the Chiefs, that if you if you can trade somebody midseason who has starter championship DNA right. like LDT does, that's telling you something of the confidence that they have in this group. Now, Andrew Wiley's been, you know, been kind of the designated the starter at right tackle because of the injuries that they've had there, and and Lucas Niang maybe early on in the season not being the guy that they thought he was going to be. Look, no, look, he's he's only a you know a COVID uh, you know sit out rookie basically, right? So, in all for all intents and purposes, he's a rookie. And then you know, and then Remmers who jumps in who's a full time starter, you know. Season veteran, you know he gets hurt, and now you've got Andrew Wiley, who was another starter on that Super Bowl team, and and I guess how about that for for sort of small world that you know he and Max Crosby battled for all those years in mm-hmm, college, right. mm-hmm. and I got to I got to be honest, I think it's given a, more of a leg up for Andrew Wiley than it did for Max, who who scares the. The Jesus out of me. He he'd have kept me up. I'd have been if I had to play against him. I'd have been thinking about him from the time the last game ended until I had to see him on the field. You know, from 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 Sunday night to to to, to Sunday morning, I'd be thinking about what it's like to block him because he is he's a beast. And I think that gives Andrew Wiley actually a leg up because he kind of knows him.
1: Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. Again, we're talking with Joe Valerio here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. And uh, last time that these two teams squared off, like I mentioned, it was in Vegas, but the Last year, the last time the Raiders went to Arrowhead, they actually won the game, and there was only a handful of fans there. So this time, Arrowhead's going to be packed to the gills. The fans will be lathered up. Uh, what are your expectations just for the the way that the crowd is going to, uh, you know, uh, welcome the Raiders in with open and warm arms? I'm sure. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, Good, good way to say it, Hugh. Uh, <laughs> listen, it's Raiders Week. It's I'm telling you, this is a game like no other. I, I was I was catching up with Rich Gannon the other day, and and we had him on our podcast, and and we were talking to him about you know that whole rivalry because he has the benefit, obviously, right, of playing for both teams. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he told me was, you know, when he got to the Raiders, and uh, you know, you got to look back. If you look back at his record you know, for the longest time, you know, the Chiefs were umpteen and zero, you know, zero losses against the Raiders. And then he goes there and boy, did that narrative flip, right? And all of a sudden the Raiders began to dominate the Chiefs uh, after Rich joined the team. And I'm telling you, I mean, he, it was like, he's patting himself on the back, but I, I would pat him on the back to say a lot of that had to do with the fact that he brought that mentality to the Raiders, because whether the Raiders fans, players, coaches, management, look at it that way, the Chiefs, Start thinking about this game in March. It's Raiders Week. Like when I was playing for Kansas City, there were signs all over the locker room. (laughs) You know, Raiders Week. Marty loved it. Right. We bring on Art Shell. Right. And and Marcus Allen. Right. Both of them when they got to Kansas City said, "Listen, if you can't beat them, you join them." And and so it was a mentality, and that and that and that has held true twenty plus years later too that, that the, the Chiefs fans, players, and management look at this as a huge game, and it, it always gives them a leg up. Right. And, uh, and, and Rich was saying that, you know, when he got there, he's like, guys, you got to understand, these people are preparing for this game in the off season. Like, let's get going here. Let's start looking at this as a rivalry. And it, and it, and it seems like at least while Rich was there, it helped. Uh, because, you know, he, like I said, he turned the script on that, and, and, and really the Raiders became dominant of the Chiefs during his tenure. Right. Well I'll tell so, you tell you, you right
1: know, now, Andy Reid is dominating right now.
0: <laughs> and, and, and and I think it comes down to, you know, some of that mentality. Um look, listen, when you hear the winds of fall and you hear John Facenda and you hear bump bump bum 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 right, it gives me chills when right. I think about the Raiders because they're just a team like, you know, they're just a team that had so much gravity and so much weight in the NFL that, it, you know, anytime you play the Raiders, you know you're in the NFL. And, and that's the way I think you know, the Chiefs have always approached it. It's the way I always approached it. You know, and I couldn't believe, you know, I was blocking, you know, Biff McNutty from Harvard, you know, going to Penn, and then I'm going against Howie Long. Like, what <laughs> just happened? Like, what just happened? Like, that was just the craziest transition in the world for me. And, you know, I'm like, what? Wait a minute. Hold on. Like, what has just happened? And that's the weight that the Raiders hold. And, and you know, it's it's, it's it's something you hope that as they've been bouncing from city to city, you know, Oakland, L.A., now Vegas, right? You hope that that gravity stays with this squad and stays with the fan base of the Raiders because they're NFL royalty. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm i glad to see the, NFC, the a, a, say, AFC West. Having this kind of parody, because I love it. it right. Look, yeah, do I love the Chiefs? I play for them, I follow them, I cover them, do all that. But let me tell you something. I love the way that in the AFC West right now, you don't know who really is going to win this division, and and I know the Raiders are banged up, and I know they got some 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 obstacles to overcome from that perspective. But look, at six and six with eight and four, and then you got you know, the Chargers right nipping right on on the uh, the Chiefs heels. I mean, this is it's anybody's it's anybody's division, and I love that. I right. love that.
1: Yeah, no, it's been fun. It's been fun to see and, and know that regardless of the ups and downs, I mean, you're still right there in the thick of things regardless. You know, regardless of how you feel or how a game turned out, you're like, well, it's still it's still all there in front of you. You just got to go out there and win games. You literally just have to go out and win games. Again, we're talking with Joe Valerio, former Chiefs offensive lineman here on NSA Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Damon, had a question for you.
2: Yeah, Joe, you're talking about the rivalry week and how intense it, it was back in the day. Last year, after the Raiders won in Kansas City, you know they took an extra lap around the stadium before they left, and then that was like that. Was, it was Busgate almost, like oh my gosh, <laughs> did they take this extra lap? Do you think that's going to be bull- or material for the Chiefs
0: this week? And if you were playing, would it be for you? Oh yeah, of course you have to find right. Th- these guys are professionals, right? So they've got to find something, right? It's it, it you know especially for the veterans, it becomes your job, right? Week in and week out, and as much as any anyone wants to deny it you know it does become a job for the players so yeah absolutely they're always looking for bullet board material because it gives you that extra edge outside of the professionalism and and, and the fact that it's your job and your duty to perform as an nfl player and as a a quote air quote employee of the nfl (laughs) absolutely you're always looking for something you're always looking for that extra little edge to give you that extra something especially now in a 17 game season it's a long season, it, it, you know, between off-season OTAs and then training camp and then the season, you know, you, you want to have, have something like that, you know. And, and, you know, I've got my own, you know, bulletin board material. Like when, when the Raiders beat my Eagles, right, my hometown Eagles, I'm like, oh, man, like, come on, like, you know, Eagles, let's go. You're NFC East, let's go. You can beat the AFC West, and then they lose. And then I watch it, and then, of course, Thanksgiving Day, I'm going, Come on, Raiders! These Cowboys, <laughs> and and I'll tell you, I just and I and I use that, I say that joke and, and say that jokingly, But I, I I was really really impressed with the resiliency of that team on Thanksgiving. You know, coming off of a short week, uh, you know, having had a ru- you know a rough game against the Bengals, I was. That was the team. If that Raiders offense shows up, and, and if and if the Raiders can do. Uh, what other teams have done against the Chiefs, uh, you know, they've got a legitimate shot, even though, let's put, put the 41-14 game behind us, you know, if they play anything like they played against the Cowboys, and their defense does things like they've done against, you know, uh, you know, Washington, for example, as a game, or, or, you know, if they can do things like they did against, you uh, you know the Eagles who you know who can put some put some points up mm-hmm. with jalen and and, and and the running game that they have or or what they did against Big Ben and the Steelers early on in the season, uh, and even the ravens um I, I I think it's a it's a team that's like right the Raiders are right on the cusp, and they worry the heck out of me um, because well number one, if they get the running game going, obviously that's going to give the chiefs fits right because we know that that's their problem is they're, the chiefs are a time of possession team when you look historically. You know, when they have not won the time of possession uh, game, it, it they've struggled because they got to get Patrick out on the field. They got to get him out there doing his thing. They've got to establish, you know, their full playbook, and they need time to do that. And if the Raiders can control the ball and keep him off the field, you know, they could be looking at a game, you know, like you know, like the Broncos, where you know the Chiefs were only. You know it was only it was ten to three at halftime. time right. I mean, that's not the chiefs we've we've come you know come to know
1: right. No, no doubt about it. It could, be, it could be a hell of a game. It really could. I mean, it can go a couple different ways, and, and the Raiders got to do their part, and and we'll see if the Chiefs are uh, able to get that offense cooking or not. But the defense right now leading the way for Kansas City. So, again, it should be a hell of an event uh, at Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday. Uh, for more from Joe, because Joe's fantastic and can have plenty of breakdowns, make sure to check out the Believe in the Chiefs podcast. Joe does a fantastic job on that as well. And, and we do appreciate so much your time this afternoon. Uh, enjoy the game on Sunday, and we'll be talking to you soon my man
0: uh same to you guys take care and uh yeah it's gonna gonna be a good game and it's hey like we always said it's raiders week
1: (laughs) there there he goes joe valerio right there former chiefs offensive lineman great breakdowns right there great breakdowns again if you want to hear a little bit more you can check out believe in the chiefs podcast he's on that does a fantastic job and definitely appreciate him giving us as much time as he did this afternoon 248 is the time we'll come back close out hour number one this is unnecessary roughness raider nation radio 920
0: Welcome back. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness.
2: Unnecessary Roughness,
0: here on Raider Nation Radio 920.
2: I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today.
0: Here's your boy Q.
1: Many thanks to Joe Valerio, former Chiefs offensive lineman. Uh, actually has four touchdowns under his belt. Uh, he has four catches, four touchdowns, and seven complete yards, total yards in his career. But uh, that's a pretty good little percentage right there, right? That might
2: be the best offensive lineman receiver of all time <laughs>
1: right there. Right? I forgot to ask him. We were getting so into different conversations. I forgot to ask him how much he celebrates a big man's touchdown. When a big man, regardless if it's a fumble recovery, interception, somehow the big man takes it to the house. Everyone celebrates that. So I wonder how he salutes him because he's, you know, Got the best
2: got the best catch raiders uh, uh probably of all of all uh, offensive linemen. Four catches, four touchdowns, that's not bad. Yeah, I'd be bragging about that. If offensive linemen like i would be tweeting you, that's called the Joe Valerio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, no doubt about that. But uh before we got Joe on, I did throw the question out there. Who do you think the Raiders need to make sure they bring back in 2022? Uh, as I mentioned before, everyone is auditioning, everyone is under the spotlight, everyone is fighting for their jobs, uh, whether it's with the Raiders or someone else. But who do you think? The Raiders need to bring back, of course, Daniel Carlson and A.J. Cole. Both got four-year contract extensions that have been uh, verified and uh, and confirmed today, uh, made official today. So those guys are definitely returning. But who do you think are the ones that need to come back? 702-365-9200. Eddie in L.A., he's up first. He's been patiently waiting. What's on your mind, my
4: man? Nothing much. Nothing much. How are you gentlemen doing today? Uh, we're blessed. Okay. So a uh, pairing man would be one that I say for sure we got to bring that guy back. I mean, he's shown a lot of heart and a lot of fight uh and especially if we're able to pick up a, a young um, middle linebacker in the draft, somebody that he can learn off of, the tackling machine. I mean, there would be nobody better, in my opinion. But it, uh, as far the reason I call it is for this Sunday's game, man, we're going to need everybody, both sides of the ball. Everybody's got to start. This team's got to start playing uh, as a cohesive, cohesive unit. I yeah. mean, the, the, from the tackles to the running backs, I know a lot has been blamed on Derek Carr, on some of it rightfully so, but not, I mean, he, he's not the sole reason why this offense has been sputtering. I mean, we've got to call it for what it is. Agreed. This line is just not, didn't pan out for what John Gruden and Mayock wished they could when they took a big gamble and hacking and let go of Hudson and Jackson because of the salary cap. Now, we are where we are at this point in the year. There's five games left. I know a lot of Raider fans are just, talking about that, it it's over hey it ain't over to a loader let me say remember the the old saying it ain't over to the fat lady singing she ain't sung yet so we're still in it baby so already nation got to keep your head up man we got to get this, this defense too you got it we, we got the defense has to be able to create pressure and sacks not get penalties for us in the passer i mean uh, max crosby is one of the best uh creating pressure but he's not creating sacks and he's creating sacks. What he is creating is getting us penalties which is, which is, uh, for roughing the passer. Some of them I know are suspect. I know he gets holding, but you gotta be able to control that aggression. We have to be able to push that line, their line up the middle. So our, our tackles, our defensive tackles, are going to be huge for us this game. You can't be sitting there and blitzing them because he will tear us apart if we blitz. Uh, if we blitz uh, Mahomes, we gotta be able to sit there, be patient, make him think too much, make him get happy feet. Okay, that's what we need. We need somebody's just to spy. back to put Abrams to spy, run all over there. Just, just you're gonna have him on the field. You might as well have him do something that's more productive than him getting torched. <laughs> so we got we gotta be able to create that type of pressure and gotta stay clear of the flags. If we if this turns into that high flag penalty, it, it's not going to help us. I mean.
1: Right. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Got to have a clean game, man. You got to really do that. And I saw, uh, unfortunately, I saw yesterday on Twitter that the two teams that are leading the league right now in penalties, the Cowboys are number one and the Raiders are number two.
2: What was that Thanksgiving game?
1: 28 penalties between the two teams, 14 on both sides of the ball. That's just the reality of it, you know. And I know that the that Max Crosby doesn't get called. Uh, he doesn't get the holding calls that happen almost every play, every time he rushes the quarterback. But man, oh man, the penalties that do get called on the Raiders—not for the Raiders, but on them—is uh, is, is ridiculous. And and for the team to be, I—I I guess the best word is undisciplined because that being up there is that high, and and and, and having so many penalties thrown against you. And, and and like we just heard from Eddie, some of them are suspect, but man, a lot of them aren't. And so you just can't play undisciplined ball. You've got to clean that up. And that's what this game is going to definitely need on Sunday. So uh, many thanks to you, Eddie. I do appreciate you. And, again, many thanks to Joe Valerio, former Chiefs offensive lineman who joined us around 2.30. Fantastic interview. If you missed it, LVSportsNetwork.com. You can find it a little bit later. Coming up next, we'll kick off hour number two of the show, Dustin DeHart, Nova Home Loans. He'll join us next. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.